So interruptions are nothing new, right? They've always been here. They always will be here. Just a part of our lives. Taking point, maybe the greatest interruption of last year was last year, right? 2020, what an incredible interruption to our life. The coronavirus showed up and interrupted everything with us. Our plans, our activities, our traditions, our schools, even our churches, Everything seemed to be interrupted and and changed from the direction that it was once going in. So the question today is, what have we learned from those uh, days? What did we learn from that interruption? What what can we take from the the experience that we had in 2020 and move us into 2021 uh, again? Because... One thing we know, in 2021, there will be more interruptions. There will be more times when we get interrupted. Now, most of us don't like interruptions. In fact, even the thought of an interruption or being interrupted, it carries a negative connotation. A little bit like a stoplight, a red light. We think of a red light with a negative thought, right? Because I have to stop. And yet, it's really good because if we don't stop, we're going to get T-boned by oncoming traffic. And very similar, I think, with this thought of being interrupted. So this brand new series we start today is carrying that title, Interrupted. And we want to deal with interruptions and how we handle those. We want to draw from the experience of Jesus because he, like us, was interrupted. Now, what do we mean by interruptions? I'm not just talking about how do we deal with a pandemic because interruptions come in all shapes and sizes. When I think of interruptions, I think of things that it, that, that stop or pause my life. Um, something as simple as I'm watching a ball game, I'm into the ball game and the phone rings, right? And, and I've got to either hit pause or I've got to miss a part of it because I've got to answer the phone. And, and of course, then it's probably a telemarketer. But we have these interruptions. Interruptions are usually things that inconvenience me, things that slow me down, things that rob me of time or things that, things that cost me uh, some spending some emotion or just things that get in the way. Most of the time, I don't know about you, but I don't like interruption. How do we handle that interruption? Now, it may surprise you to know that when Jesus was interrupted in his life, he handled them quite differently than often we do. One of the great things about the gospel is this narrative. I love reading narrative when we read scripture because the narrative of the gospels just puts Jesus in an everyday appearance of life. Uh, Recorded by eyewitnesses or friends of eyewitnesses who saw Jesus carry out his ministry on earth, who walked with him and talked with him, who observed him and heard him and learned from him. And what we see is Jesus is going through life just so normally. What we see is not a whole lot different than our lives in, in many ways. He slept. There were times when he needed to sleep. Uh, he ate. He enjoyed food. He enjoyed being with friends, much like we do. Uh, and like us, he was often interrupted. But how did he handle the interruption? The interesting thing is when Jesus was interrupted, he learned to lean into that or knew to lean into that interruption and see it as an opportunity. So today, what we want to talk about is this. We want to see that Jesus can turn our interruptions into opportunities. 
Now, I know that sounds a little bit strange, and we think, well, how can an interruption be an opportunity? Well, think back again to 2020. Think back about the big interruption of last year. Think back about how your life was interrupted by the coronavirus, and probably you can think like me. Well, there were opportunities that came out of that. First of all, there was an opportunity to slow down the pace of life. Whether you wanted to or not, whether you chose to or not, likely your pace in life slowed down either because you were out of work, unable to go to work. Maybe it was because you were sick, but maybe it was something as simple as quarantine. Many of us experienced times of quarantine when we frankly felt pretty well, but we couldn't go out because we had been exposed or we didn't want to be around people or whatever it might be. So it slowed the pace. And so while the coronavirus did interrupt my life, it did allow me to slow down, allowed me some extra time with my family, right? There was a time when I could spend more time as a family because I wasn't on the go quite so much. There were opportunities. Because of the interruption of the coronavirus, probably we will never do church quite the same. We may never bank the same. We may never shop the same. We may never gather together the same. Yeah, there are opportunities to come and rise out of being interrupted. So I want to take us to the Gospels this morning and take a look at Jesus. And in four different instances, he is to some degree interrupted. His mission, his ministry, or, 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 or what he's going to accomplish that day, at least on our part, from our vantage point and, and from the way we look at things, he was interrupted. Now, I'm not sure that he considered it an interruption, In fact, I'm pretty sure we see the text that he saw it as an opportunity. But from our vantage point, the way we see it, no doubt it was an interruption. I'm pretty sure that those men who were following him, walking with him, riding in a boat with him, those men that were doing ministry with him, that moment, that day, saw all four of these as an interruption. And I'm pretty sure what I know about their nature They were not happy about the interruption. And yet each time Jesus took the opportunity to turn the interruption into an opportunity to not only minister in different cases, but to teach them more about himself, more about who he is, more about his nature, more about who he's about or who he is and what he's about. And so I think it's valuable for us to walk through the scripture this morning in Luke's gospel and see these interruptions. So let's just kind of dive in. I'm looking at Luke chapter 8. You may want to turn in your scripture and your copy of the scripture, or maybe it's on your phone or, 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 or whatever your device may be. But Luke's gospel, chapter 8, and we find here these accounts. Now, Luke's gospel, again, is recorded as Luke talks to an eyewitness of this, this life of Jesus. He, he's, he's taking us down to the Sea of Galilee, one of the most beautiful areas in all the land of Palestine, in a place where Jesus spent a great deal of his time. As a matter of fact, he had a central place right here, a center of ministry, if you will, in the city of Capernaum, the town of Capernaum, right here at the Sea of Galilee. And now we're going to find him in all these activities uh, occurring right around that place, that spot. Now, what we're going to find is this. First of all, we're going to see the first thing that happens, the first interruption comes as Jesus calms a storm. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. It says, one day he, that is Jesus, and his disciples got into a boat, and he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. 
So they set out. Now, there's not really a mis, um, mis, mis, uh, um, thought here. When he, when he says lake, I'm saying sea. The Sea of Galilee is referred to both. It's referred to as a sea. It's referred to as a lake. Don't have time to get into that, but it's one and the same. So as they were selling, he fell asleep. So there we see, Jesus is, is like us. He was tired, he was weary, he was in the boat, the waves are rocking, and so he takes a nap. He's sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped and were in danger. They came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up. Now, I've, I highlighted those words because here's the interruption. In the middle of his nap... They interrupt him. Master, we're going to die. So he got up. He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, where's your faith? They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. Wow. Let's think about that just a minute. So Jesus is on the lake riding across. He's enjoying a nice nap and a storm comes. Now, it's not uncommon for a storm to suddenly rise on the Sea of Galilee. There's a natural gorge, a, a valley on the western side of that sea, that lake, that allows winds to come up quickly and storms to arise quickly. And even though his disciples or many of them are fishermen and, and expect that and know how to handle that, this must have been a severe storm because they wake him up to tell him what's going on. Now, there's a lot of things that we can think about there. It's amazing that Jesus is sleeping through the storm. He's not a bit concerned about it. But what I want you to see is the interruption here. Is there anything worse than something interrupting your nap? Well, of course there is. But point is, it's pretty bad. I love to take a nap when I have an occasion. And the worst thing that can happen at the moment, it seems, is for that nap to be interrupted. Whether it's the phone ringing whether it's somebody driving up, whether it's somebody coming to the door, whatever it might be, I'm going to stop there. Interrupting a nap is not a very good thing. Jesus handles an interruption. But what did he do? We tend to, uh, we tend to when we're interrupted, get angry or frustrated or at least aggravated a little bit. But Jesus took this interruption as an opportunity to teach his men something about him. He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and they were amazed because the wind and the waves did what he commanded. So they learned a lesson. What was the lesson? The lesson was that he, that is Jesus, calms and controls the storms. Jesus controls even creation. That's an important thing for us to know about him. It's an important fact for us to see. But let's go on because the story continues. Next, we find that Jesus drives out and performs another miracle, driving out some demons. Verse 26, then they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. They're going to the land of Gadara. They're going to a place that was one of the 10 cities of the Decapolis. And, and, and he finds there, he's got a ministry in mind. I don't know what it is, but something's going on. He arrives at the region. Verse 27 says, when he got out on land. I, I, I highlight that because here's what I want you to notice. He's barely out of the boat. He's just getting out of the boat, right? He's just landing on the shore. When he got out on land, a demon-possessed man 
from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out. He fell down before him and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, and many times it had been seized him. And, and though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places. What is your name, Jesus asked him. Legion, he said, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to banish them to the abyss. Now watch what happens. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And when the men who, were tended, who tended them saw what had happened, they ran off and reported it to the town and in the countryside. And people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man the demons had departed from, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Meanwhile, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. The man from whom the demons had departed begged him earnestly to be with him, but he sent him away and said, Go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. And off he went, proclaiming throughout the town how much Jesus had done for him. What a thought. What a story. What's the point of the story? As Jesus comes and as he enters into this new land, as he gets out of the boat, headed to do whatever he had gone there to do, there's an interruption of sorts. Mark's gospel, Mark's account puts it that immediately this happened. Immediately, uh, interruption took place. We would sense it an interruption anyway, but Jesus took a few moments to deal with this situation. I don't know what these guys had in mind that day. I don't know if they had a plan where they were going, if they were going to go into the city. I don't know if they had some kind of a, a, a teaching engagement lined up. I don't know if they had a lunch engagement lined up. I don't know. It doesn't say. All I know is these men were had in mind. They're going on a mission trip today. We're going over to Gadara, and there they get interrupted by a demoniac, by a man who is controlled by a legion of demons who comes and who stirs a mess and interrupts what they're doing. Now, you know, I, I don't want to stray off too far on this, but I can't help but feel a little bit of a personal contact here, a personal connect here, because on two mission trips, at least two, maybe three mission trips, I can recall when in the middle of the mission, in the middle of what I had come to do, in the middle of what I had planned to do, I was interrupted by demonic activity. Yeah, I mean, that's for real, folks. Sometimes we forget that. And I remember that interruption very well. It is indelibly placed in my mind and in my heart. Why? Because it was an experience that I'll never forget, yes, but it interrupted the task, the mission that we were to be about. But Jesus uses it as an opportunity to teach his men something very important, and that is that Jesus controls the supernatural. He controls the supernatural. And while demons are for real and while spiritual warfare is indeed right, the truth of the matter is Jesus is proving that he's in control and that he's in control over all the powers of darkness. And indeed, we know at this point the battle has been already won at the foot of the cross.
And we understand that when Jesus finished the work at the cross, he finished the war once and for all. Battles are still raging, yes, but the war is over. Jesus is in control of the supernatural. Second time, he's interrupted. But immediately we find another one. Let's go on with the story. Look at the next verse. Now we're going to see Jesus do another miracle. This time he's going to heal a woman. It says, when Jesus returned, well, when he returned where? Returned back to the other side of the lake. He's moving back, likely toward the city of Capernaum, which was his central place. And he returns. There's a crowd there to welcome him. It's because they can see his boat coming, no doubt. Now, there's even time, maybe some of them have run from that around the, the edge of the lake to find him on the other side. The crowd is gathered and they're all expecting him. Now, once again, I'm wondering, does he have a, a mission in mind? Is there something he's thinking about doing? Is he going on another teaching tour? Is he going to gather a group on the side of the, the, the Sermon on the Mount uh, spot? Is, is he going to go into one of the synagogues? I don't know, but we know this. They're expecting something. And then, just then, Luke says, just then, the implication again, immediately, right away, just then, interruption. What's the interruption? A man named Jairus came. He was a leader of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had an only daughter about 12 years old and she was dying. While he was going, the crowds were nearly crushing him. So Jairus arrives, leader of the synagogue. He's got a request of Jesus he has no concern whatever Jesus' plans, and he has an emergency. He's got something he has to tend to now. See, that's one thing about interruptions, right? Interruptions tend to say, you need to stop what you were doing and tend to me now. And that's what's happening with Jairus. But watch what happens. The interruption, there's an interruption. Watch what happens. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who'd spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any approached him from behind. And touched the end of his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone did touch me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him in the presence of all the people. She declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now here again, it's a wonderful story. We love this story. He points to this story. And yet, it really is a moment where Jesus, where the ministry of these disciples are interrupted. They're headed to wherever they're headed to. They're headed now to Jairus' house, which was itself an interruption. But now, on the way, as the crowds press in, we can visualize. Can you visualize that in your head? The crowds pressing in. And as the crowd presses in, they're banging him on every side. But one particular lady, Luke points out, touched the end. Maybe you've heard the story told that he touched the, she touched the hem of his garment. Actually, the word in, is, is, is best translated fringe, the outer fringe of his garment. Now, if that seems, seems a little weird to you, think she's just reaching out, touching him. We, how many times have we seen that here? A star walks through a street or, or a famous figure or a sports figure walks through and people just want to touch. But this person had, this lady had something particular in mind. She wanted to just touch and so she touched the fringe 
avenges. Reminds me of a scripture in the book of Exodus where the law is given to the people of God and the law demanded that the people would have fringes to their clothing. That is little knots that would hang down, that would dangle down from a robe or, or, or from a sleeve or from some part of that robe. And, and, and some even believe that this was the fringes that hang down at the bottom of a prayer shawl. I don't know. But the truth is the woman touched him, reached out and touched that garment, and Jesus immediately replied. Now, this is where I love the gospel, and this is why I love the scripture, because now it becomes so personal and so really, I, I, I don't want to take too much liberty with it, but I, I, I just see a little bit of humor in it, because here the crowd is pressing in on Jesus, and everybody is pressing, everybody is coming, Luke says, and yet when this lady touched the fringes, just the little knots in his garment, he says, whoa, stop, who touched me? And Peter says, what do you mean, who touched you? There's a crowd touching you, everybody's touching you. And Jesus said, yeah, but I'm concerned right now about one. Because I know this one person has a problem. And I, I, I know you see this as being interrupted. I see it as an opportunity to help someone, to deal with someone who has a problem. And he was right. This lady had a problem. She had a problem with blood. And she needed to have a touch. She needed to be healed. Very important lesson that they learned that day. They learn that Jesus is never too busy to take care of problems. And in reality, Jesus controls the problems we face. He's in control of everything. He's in control of creation. Wow, isn't that amazing? He's in control of the supernatural. And he's in control of our problems. And my friend, listen to me carefully. Whatever it is that you're going through today and whatever problems you're facing today, and perhaps you're like the little lady who says, man, if I could just touch him, if I could just get a touch from God, can I tell you, Jesus cares about your problem and has control over your problem. And he is in control of our interruptions. Even those things that we get aggravated about. Now, I'm pretty sure Peter at this point is not real happy. He's trying to keep the crowd. I can almost see Peter acting as the security guard, wanting to push them off, trying to, the bodyguard, if you will, trying to push the crowd away, and, and yet they're touching him. And what do you mean, this lady? What do you mean, let this lady? Uh, let's talk to this lady. She's an interruption. Jesus says, no, it's an opportunity to teach that I'm in control. I'm in control of even the problems that we face. But let's go on because there's one more part of the story. And I don't want you to miss it. While he was still speaking, someone came from the synagogue leader's house, Jairus, the man we read about earlier, and said, you know what? No need to come. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Let me go back to the scripture. He says, you know what? Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. When Jesus heard it, he answered, don't be afraid. Only believe and she'll be saved. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Everyone was crying and mourning for her. But he said, stop crying because she's not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him because they knew she was dead. So he took her by the hand, called her out. Child, get up. Her spirit returned. She got up at once. Then he gave orders that she be given something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Now, we can get lost in that last verse and miss the point. What is the point? Now the interrupted gets interrupted. The interruption now gets interrupted. 
Now we see that in the middle of the interruption with the woman and her problem with blood and the healing that takes place, now another interruption takes place because the people from the house come to Jairus and say, no need to bother him anymore, she's dead. But Jesus goes to the house and miraculously raises the little girl, the little 12-year-old girl from the dead. And the people are astounded. How can he do such things? He can do such things because Jesus is in control of life and death. Jesus is in control even of life and death. And even a situation that looks bad enough that we need healing, yes, we believe he has the power to heal, but do we understand too that beyond that he has power? Not only to control creation, not only to control supernatural, not only to control our problems, even our health, but has the power to control Life and death. I know some of you out there believe that. Some of you out there are still struggling with that. Some of you out there don't know what to think about that. But Jesus makes a point. He takes an opportunity. He takes an interruption and makes it an opportunity to show and declare who he is. That he is very God because he has control of life and death. And even when the little girl died, he's able to raise her up. So I think it's important here that we learn the lessons from Jesus. We learn the lessons about who he is. I think it's important that we understand who he is because those lessons are valuable to pass down to us. It's important for us to know that he is in control. He is Lord of creation. We do need to understand that he is in control of the supernatural. We do need to understand that he is in control of, 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 of our problems, our situations, and that he's in control of life and death. But let's don't miss the point for this series. The point for this series is Jesus took the interruption and turned it into an opportunity. In each case, watch what Jesus did. In each case, he started by leaning in to the interruption. When he was interrupted, instead of getting angry, instead of pushing it aside, instead of getting frustrated, instead of getting instead of getting upset that this is just an interruption, when he was interrupted, he leaned in. To the problem. He leaned in to the situation. He leaned in to the person who's interrupting. He leaned in to what was happening rather than pushing it aside. You know, we would do well to learn to lean in. In fact, I think that what I take from this is that we can learn a lot. When interruptions come our way, how are we going to handle it? What are we going to do with it? We can get frustrated, we can get angry, we can get put off, or we can lean in, we can lean on Jesus who is our source of of supply and strength, and we can learn from that situation. Lean in to the opportunity. Maybe there's an opportunity there that you don't see at first that you can see now. Lean on the Lord who supplies us with strength to move through every opportunity and learn from that interruption. What Jesus wants to teach you, maybe about yourself or maybe about himself. Sometimes when I'm interrupted and I lean in, I learn something about me. May not be too good. Maybe it is. But most of all, when I lean in, I can learn something about my master. Learn something about Jesus. So our takeaway today is really pretty simple and yet pretty direct. 
Learn to lean in. As we start this series on being interrupted, the way I want to leave you is this. Learn to lean in. Don't just push aside those moments where you're interrupted in frustration, but lean in to see how Jesus can make your interruption into an opportunity to learn more about him. Now, let me just say that it's important for you to, first of all, lean in on an invitation to an invitation that he gives you to faith. If you're listening today, if you're watching today, and you're not still sure about this personal relationship with Christ, and you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're not sure if you want a relationship with Jesus, you're not sure if it's really available for you, I would encourage you to lean in on just the prompting that you're getting right now to just think about it and walk it through. As a matter of fact, if you need help with that, somebody's available right now. Somebody right now is ready to talk to you. And if you'll just click that button, just, just go to, that, uh, the, to, to, to the side and, and just check it out, and someone will be ready to talk to you, will be ready to pray with you through that. Or maybe you're just dealing with it on your own and you'd just like to communicate that with us and say, hey, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I've invited Jesus into my heart. I don't know. We'd be happy to hear from you. We'd love for you to connect with us and let us know. And there's a space for you to do that. Check it out. Lean in. And then those of you who already know Jesus as your Savior, can I just tell you, there's going to be distractions. There's going to be times this year when you are interrupted. Why not lean in? and see what God has to say to you. Well, God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the time together today. Thank you, dear Lord, that you indeed are Lord over everything. Lord over creation, over the supernatural, over our problems, and even life and death. Lord, as we lean in to interruptions this year, we want to lean on you and learn from you all that we can learn that we might know you and the power of your resurrection, and that we might know you more intently than ever before. In your name we pray. Amen.